Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Well, hello everybody. This is Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach, and I have a really special interview today with Dr. Tyson E. Franklin, somebody I've been connected with on social media for a while. We have some good uh, mutual friends in line. We, we've actually never met. I hope we can correct that fairly soon. Uh, let me tell you about him. Dr. Tyson is a Queensland University of Technology graduate and over the past 30 years has opened, sold, taken over, and relocated well over 20 podiatry businesses. He won numerous business awards. He's written two books. He runs a weekly podcast show called It's No Secret with Dr. T. He is a professional speaker and currently mentors business owners in the health industry on how to market their businesses and how to set up systems to support their marketing strategies. At present, Tyson Franklin lives in uh, Cairns, Carnes, Queensland. I'm sure you'll correct which way that goes. How you doing, Tyson? <laughs> I'm doing really, really well, Jim. And I've got to point out, we have met before. And when I tell you where, you'll go, bugger that. I, th- I forgot about that. Okay, you I think I just remembered. Nashville, Nashville Tennessee, Rem yeah. Jackson's event. Rip, that's it. 2013 at, at Rem's event in Nashville. And, oh, my god! Uh, that was when I came across you the first time. And, oh, the crowd went nuts. The, the crowd cr- went nuts. When you came in. They went nuts, and then you. I remember you making an offer to the crowd, yep. and you almost got you almost got swamped. That was so funny because Rem said, uh, "We don't do offers here," um, and I said, "Well, I think your people are going to want this." She said, "Just don't do it in a sleazy." I said, "Rem, seriously." So anyway, um, I said, "I'm going to make it." When I, before, you know, kind of behind the scenes, I said you know, we would probably want to take a break after I finish. And he goes, no, I don't think that'll be necessary. So as you know, when I did my offer, half the room got up and Rem goes on stage and says, well, I've clearly lost control. We'll take a break now and then we'll bring up our next speaker. It it was, it was hilarious because I don't think, I don't think Rem was expecting half the room to get up and all of a sudden just flock over to the table because I can't remember exactly, I can't remember exactly what the offer was. But it was that good that it got everyone uh, motivated. And it taught me a lot right there. And then if you make a really, really good offer, um, the right people <laughs> to the right people. And you had you had the right audience in the room when you were yeah. talking to them. Well, so that is key. It's the difference between yeah, probably throwing a message out there to the masses and not getting much of a response, but throwing the same message to a targeted group. And all of a sudden you see the response, 50% of the room got up. And it didn't, it didn't hurt to help my pretty wife at the table. So that, that was a secret weapon. <laughs> you reckon that's why they went over? It had nothing to do with you. I know. The hell with the offer. I want to go see Stephanie. Anyway, let's get down to business here. So I, I have to ask, so are, I always like to ask my guests, are you a first generation entrepreneur and, or in your case, are you first generation doctor or did, or did your dad, granddad or somebody uh, uh, paid that way? Yeah, no, it was a first generation for both. Um, so, yeah, my parents, my dad um, used to be like a, a door-to-door traveling salesman mm. and uh, super, nice, super nice guy. Everyone just absolutely loved him. So he taught me a lot of just um, 
I know he's just, I, I go with him every now and then and I just watch him in action and you go, wow, he just has this way of just meeting someone for the first time and just had this knack of making them feel really comfortable. But then he, he got a job uh, with uh, just like the local council uh, housing commission. And then my mum was uh, like a security officer back in her day. And that's where they used to dress up in costume and catch people who were shoplifting. Oh, wow. So she used to work for like big department stores. So neither of them ever had their own business. I don't think any of my grandparents did. I think one of my, my great grandfather on one side was like speaker of the house in parliament. But so there was no small business influence and no um, people going in the medical industry, except for my older brother. My older brother uh, is a dentist. Okay. So, so he, I'm curious. He led the way probably for me to go that way. Gotcha. Tyson, I'm curious when, you know, when you go to medical school, I, I, I'm just guessing talking to a few people that, you know, you don't know exactly what your specialty is. It's kind of like your freshman year at, at just regular old university. Or did you know right off the bat that you wanted to go into podiatry? Yeah, well, the, the system, the, the education system in Australia is a little bit different to America. So okay. when we finish high school and we go to university, we need to know exactly what you're going to do when you go. We don't have, we don't do like pre-med and then try and figure out what, what it is you want to do. We know from day dot. So we don't, we don't go from like high school to college to university. We go high school, university. The whole college part is skipped. How about that? So you, how did you know you wanted to go into podiatry? Was, was there something, was there an inspiration there? Or you just said, well, seems like there's a need. Yeah. There. Well, yeah, I was going to be an art teacher. Um, so <laughs> I was tossing up, was I going to be an art teacher or a math science teacher? Um, which is a bit of a, uh, a conflict. And my brother had gone off and done dentistry. And so we were talking my dad, he said, Oh, what are, you, what are you going to do? I said, I've made the decision. I'm going to be an art teacher. And he goes, Oh my God. I said, what? He goes, well, I'm going to be a rich dentist one day, you know, driving a Porsche. He said, you're going to be an art teacher driving a Volkswagen. He said, you'll be hitting me up, asking me to, wanting to borrow money off me to buy paint. And uh, he said, eventually you'll just annoy me that we'll stop talking. He said, we may as well just stop talking now. And so I went and saw my art teacher and I, I told my art teacher the story. And I said, by the way, what sort of car have you got? And my art teacher said, Volkswagen, why? I went, oh, so oh no. I told the story. <laughs> and my art teacher said, look, you're bright enough to go and do whatever you want. You can always do art as a hobby. It's always something you can do as a hobby and love doing it. And she said, I tell you right now, if you become an art teacher, art becomes a job. She goes, and sometimes you lose that, lose that passion for it. So I spoke to my brother and he said, look, just do anything in the health industry. He goes, because you'll always, you'll never be unemployed and there will always, yeah, always be work. You'll always make pretty good money. So I started looking at different occupations and so I wanted something where no one ever died and everything could wait till tomorrow. So podiatry just, just seemed to be the fit. So yeah. and podiatry in Australia and podiatry in America are, we're, we're different. We have different, there's different focus on, on what we do when we're at university. So give you an example. So when we, when we do podiatry in Australia, we, we learn all the basics of podiatry. So America does the same thing. We know everything about the lower limbs and the feet and yeah, the anatomy and physiology, all that type of thing. But we focus a lot on biomechanics, how the body moves and we make a lot of inserts that go into shoes. That's a lot of our focus. Surgery, we'll do nail surgery, minor stuff like that. But if we want to do bunion operations and 
the more technical stuff, that's something we do after we finish our degree. You go and do this as a separate thing. Whereas America, that surgical aspect is their focus. And a lot of them don't do a lot on biomechanics and orthotics. So yeah, that, that's the big difference between the two. But when we're all together and we're talking, we're, we're all talking the same language. Right. So I was really fascinated that, you know, you in 30 years, you've open sold, taken over or relocated 20 businesses. I mean, that's a lot. Did you just get really good at marketing and said, well, all right, this one's up and running. I'm going to go do it again. Or what did that look like? Yeah, some of it was by accident. Um, my first ever podiatry business was on the Gold Coast. And I, I'd set that up and it was, you know, for, for my knowledge at the time, which was very limited, it went, it went okay. In hindsight, I look back now, it was crap. But at the time, it seemed to be going okay. Then I had a, a hand problem. I got dermatitis really bad on my hands. And it got to the point where I couldn't get gloves big enough to put my hands in. They got infected. I had blood poisoning. So all of a sudden, I was forced out of podiatry for almost two years. Had to sell that business. And then after selling it, I moved to Cairns. And then when I moved to, to Cairns, I um, set up another business. So that was number two. And because it was going good, on Cairns was a, you know, it's a small regional city, but I'd set one on one side of the, the town and one on the opposite side. So that was like my third one. Then there was another area up in the Tablelands, which is like an hour and a half away. So I set another one up there. And it sort of just, it just kept growing. Then I had a lot of these multiple practices around. Then I started employing a few people. Then I started, well, it was getting too busy. So I started compressing everything back into like just having two clinics. And then from there, everything was going really well. And I thought, is my business going well because I've been in it for so long and everybody knows me? Or is it going well because I've got really good systems? And I thought, I'm going to test this. So I thought, I'm going to set up another clinic that is that far away. Where we live now has no influence on it. So I set up in a town called Mackay. And it's about, I'd say, 600 miles away. Mm -hmm. So I set it up there. And in 12 months, I did what it took me eight years to do in Cairns. So wow. all of a sudden, I went, I went, wow. I've got some systems here that work really well. So... From Mackay, then we set one up in Townsville, then I set up another one about 1,500 miles away on the Sunshine Coast. So it sort of just, it just grew from there. And, and what, I, what I tended to find, when I had all these multiple locations, yes, there was money in it, but there was also a lot of time that, that I was away from home, away from my family. And then when my daughter was about six, I was talking, I, I just, I'd had someone set, I was the first one to set up like a franchise podiatry business. And I was with one of the franchisees and they were just giving me a hard time about something. The same time, but an hour later, I'm talking to my daughter who was six. And she says, Daddy, why are you away all the time? And I went, you know what? I'm asking myself the same question. Why am I away all the time? Yeah. And, and from that point on, I, I, a switch flicked in my head and I just started selling everything off until I brought everything back to just having one business in cans. And I made that one just so special that uh, eventually I sold it yeah, a year and a half ago for like the, it was a, a record amount for a single podiatry sale in Australia. So, so it all sort of, yeah, that's sort of how it all came about. That is, I mean, that is really fascinating. By the way, I used to be in the franchise business and you know, when things go really well, it's because your franchisees are so smart and anything that goes wrong is because the franchise or sucks, right? I mean, that's basically <laughs> how franchise yes. works. Um, I remember, I remember the franchisee saying to me, you have, you've done nothing for me for the past 12 months. I don't know why I'm paying you the money that, that I do. 
So I sent them an email of 102 things that I had done for them that was over and above what I actually had to do in the agreement. Wow. And, and, I, and those went, oh, oh, well, okay. Uh, well, yeah, but you could have done more. <laughs> yeah, right. Couldn't do hey, it. Not to riff on franchising, but I, f- I found this interesting. Um, so our franchise attorney, who I learned an immense from, you know, about business and everything, he told me this story. He says, Jim, there's going to be three seasons to a franchise relationship. The honeymoon stage, everything's great. You can't do anything wrong. Then there's going to be the middle section where, you know, you can't do anything right. And there's a lot of back and forth and commotion. And then because it's usually 10-year terms here in the States or 20-year terms, then there's called resignation. I'm just going to resign my fact that I'm going to be paying you. But he said he, there was a story once where this guy, I pulled into this town and his car broke down. He pulled into like a Hertz or something and he went in and rented a car and he goes, well, how's it going by the way? And the guy behind the counter was griping about, I paid him 5% for nothing by the way. And he goes, Hey, can you come outside for a minute? This is the customer. He takes the franchise owner outside. He points up to the sign and said, you see that name Hertz? He goes, that's why I pulled in here. <laughs> just a reminder. Sometimes yeah. it's everything you, why you bought in the first place that you just forgot. Yeah, that, that is a really, really good story. I'm going to use that somewhere else one day. There you go. Um, <laughs> but it is, that, that's a great story. And that's what a lot of people, and I think it's, it's one of those things too, when people have got their own business, they don't realize the value in the name of their business if it's been there for a period of time and has built a good reputation that, that they need to protect it. I was talking to a, uh, a trademark attorney yesterday and we were talking about um, – registering trademarks and registering business names. And she sort of gives an example of, yeah, don't take a, a knife to a gunfight. And that's where you've got a business name and you're trying to go up against someone who has the trademark and you're going to lose every single time yep. because there's, there's power in IP and there's power in protecting good names that have got a good reputation. So Tyson, a year and a half ago, you, you sold um, your successful business for $4.2 billion. No, I'm kidding. I have no idea. <laughs> but anyway, and you could have sat back and retired and, and instead you, you start writing books and you start coaching other business owners. Was, was that an inspiration? Was that in your mind as you sold your business or is that just, again, you just kind of fell into that naturally? Yeah, it was sort of, it was a transition happened. It was something that was happening prior to selling the business. So my wife said to me that it like the money they offered us, the money I got was really, really good. And she said, but if that's all we were ever going to get, she goes, I would have told you, no, let's not sell it because long-term we can make a lot more money by keeping the business. She said, however, because I'd already transitioned into, I'd already had one book um, completed and then I finished my second book after the sale. I was already doing a little bit of coaching for some podiatrists and other people in the health industry. So she said, because, and I was doing some public speaking, she said, because you've already got another income or another business that you've started, she felt really comfortable with us selling the business and then me transitioning into that, yeah, more full time. Mm -hmm. And it's more fun. So not that podiatry wasn't fun. Yeah. So uh, one of your books, I know is called, it's no secret. There's money in small business what was the impetus to, to writing that? Is that, um, I mean, we all know a book is a great, great positioning tool for things like that. Was, do you see that as a, as a tool to help you, you know, become better known as a, as a small business coach? Uh, yeah. Well, th- that title came off of my first book, which was, it's no secret. There's money in podiatry. Okay. So that's, that was the first book. And then when I wrote that book, so many people read it and they said, wow, if, if you took out the word podiatry and put 
carpenter optometrist, it would, it would really apply. And I went, oh, okay, well, maybe they're right. Maybe, maybe I need to re- rewrite it just a little bit and, and change the title. So when I read through the book, all of a sudden I realized this is a podiatry book. This is, yeah, the way I've written it and the terminology, it is really a podiatry book. So I went back, probably rewrote about 50% of the book, added in some new chapters, pumped it full of steroids, and that's how the second book came about. So the second book, I think, is by far a better book than the first book. However, if you were a podiatrist, you'd probably want to read the first book because it's got a lot more podiatry sort of added to it. Mm-hmm. But it was really something that I just, when I wrote the first book, I, I wrote the book to my 22 or 23-year-old self. It was something that when I first started out in business, I went, I wish someone had given me a book that I could have just read. And by reading that one book without reading anything else, I could you know, fix up 80% of the things in my business and make my business better. And then you could read other stuff other than that. So that was the, the idea behind the book. I wrote the book for my younger self, knowing that there's probably people out there who are exactly like me, who are, I just need some information. Tell me what I need to do, but don't make it complicated. And that's what the book was all about. That's awesome. Tell me about your business today. So, I mean, you, you coach and mentors. Are you mostly in the podiatry space or are you branching out into, into other niches? I think podiatry is probably the number one thing that I'm, I wouldn't say the, the best at, but that's what I know more. That's what I'm comfortable with. So I could talk to another podiatrist and I'm on their level right from day one. Um, but at the moment, I'm probably doing, I'm doing a lot in the, in the dental space. Mm-hmm. So coaching dentists, but you know, I did a great, you know, I did a talk um, for a, a group of dietitians you know, in Brisbane a couple of months back, but that was more of like an allied health. So I'd say, Allied health is probably my area more than, say, traditional businesses, you know, like the, a, a baker, butcher, candlestick maker, that type of thing. So only because I understand the health industry and when they're talking about health funds and, you know, dealing with re- referrals, you know, inter-referrals between different professions and how different professions think, I think that's, that's my niche is actually allied health. Very cool. So, um, are you mostly in, in, uh, Australia or do, are you back and forth in the States or do you do it all virtually? How's that work? Yeah. Well, most I've had, I've had one, uh, coaching client that I was doing that was from Canada. Mm-hmm. I've had one from, uh, Crete, yeah, near, yeah, Greece, um, one over in England. So I'm not, that's a good thing with uh, technology these days. You're not, you're not bound by, by borders. If you can get an internet connection, they could be next door to you or they could be in another country. But predominantly, most of the stuff I do is just uh, just local. But I do come over to – I go to America every single year mm-hmm. um, to, you know, Dave Free's mutual friend. Yep. And, yeah, and I go over to Dave's free, Dave Free's event in uh, Arizona each year. So usually – and I think this year I'm coming to America twice, once in July for podcast movement and then, um, and then Dave's event again. Okay. Um, and I know you've got an event just before Dave's event, which it, uh, if I had seen that before I'd organized the family holiday, I would have been coming to yours first and then going to Dave straight afterwards. So I, yeah, I mine's in September. When is his in October this year? Or? Yeah. Dave's is I think the fourth to the sixth of October, Ah, which, which would have worked perfectly because I could have come to yours and then hung then around right for a week his. in between. Yeah. And I did that a couple of years ago with, with uh, one of Rem's events. But this year we'd organized a family holiday for two and a, for two and a bit weeks and then in Canada and then we were coming down to Dave's event. So 
yeah, I didn't time that, but I tell you, I'm going to get to your event one year. Well, I don't know. That's, I don't have one planned after this one. I mean, with my, our boating lifestyle, we've, we've gone back to just doing one a year. Um, so I actually don't know what's going to happen after this one. I'm sure I'll probably do at least one more, but I, there, there's an end in sight, believe me, because it's a, you know, it's a truckload of work. So um, anyway. I know, putting a vent on uh, uh, the, from the outside looking in, people go, that can't be too hard. You uh, book a room, uh, put, it, put something on the internet and you get a hundred people there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> go with that. <laughs> How simple is that? <laughs> yeah. One of the chapters in your book, uh, it's no secret, there's money in small business, numbers don't lie, KPIs. What is KPI? Uh, key performance indicators. Ah. So, yeah, and what, what I say to people, okay, you know, there's a difference between statistics and KPIs. So a statistic tells you something that happened in the past and statistically, so if you turned over $50,000 yeah, in May 2017, and yeah, you've done certain things with the business, statistically you should, and you've done that the last five years, statistics will tell you that you probably will do about the same or better if your business has grown. because that's what you're expecting. Your KPIs, but you can't change this uh, statistic. So a stat is something that happened in the past. You cannot change it. It could tell you maybe what might happen in the future, but it doesn't mean it will happen. A KPI or key performance indicator is something that you keep an eye on week by week and it tells you, like looking at different areas of your business, whether you're on track or whether you're not. So, And if you're not on track, you can make very quick changes immediately. Straight away, you can make a change that could influence the next day or the next week. So that's sort of the difference between the two. So in a, say, podiatry business, for example, one of your KPIs might be how many new patients. Statistically, we had 100 new patients last week. Yeah, last May 2017. So if we base it on stats and we've had the same growth, we're expecting 110 you know, this May. Therefore, each week we should be getting 27 to 28 new patients. So that could be the KPI that you're looking at each week. So, And if you're not getting that, you go, okay, what do we need to tweak to try and get it back up to that, that 28 or maybe to a 30 week? Does that, that sort of make sense? Yeah, it does. Did you, I want to ask you about your marketing chops? Did you um, did you study? Um, I don't know Dan Kennedy, anybody, or where did you where did you? I mean, marketing is such a big part of the growth that you've had. Where did you get your chops? Um, I think initially, um, I'd love to say you know trial and error, but it was more probably trial error 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 All right. trial error error error. Yeah, I I learned the hard way by just doing everything completely wrong. So I figured out all the ways how not to actually market a business. Then I went to one event and this is why I say to people, you constantly just keep going to events. You don't know, like you can go to too many events. You do actually have to spend some time in your business, but you never know which event is going to be the event that's going to flick the switch in your mind. So I actually went to one, oh, yeah, 15 years ago and it was a two day event. I went along to it and the guy, the guy gave this really good story. I'll share it with you. And he said, yeah, how much money did you make this year? You had to write it down. Okay. How much do you want to make next year? Write it down. Now, what do you need to do in your business between now and next year to actually make that a reality? So we had to write down all the things we were going to do. He said, okay, that's great. He said, now what I want you to do is add a zero on it. Now, what do you need to do? And all of a sudden, 
but your brain just went, oh, hang on. So say, for example, you wrote down, yeah, we made 80,000 this year. I want to make 100,000 next year. He was saying all of a sudden you had to make a million. Could you achieve that by writing, by doing what you said you were going to do? And all of a sudden everyone's just gone, <laughs> yes, that's not going to happen. But what they did, all of a sudden it flicked a switch in my mind and went, wow, I've been putting a, like a lid on my thinking. And, and as soon as he took that lid off, all of a sudden I went, I need to get better at marketing. I need to get better at systems. I need to get better in so many areas of my business. I'm being really slack. So from that point onwards, I just started devouring books. Books. Back then it was uh, cassette tapes and CDs. Um, I became a student of marketing and systems. I wanted to know more. And yeah, and that's pretty much, that's pretty much what happened. I think I took the lid off my head of the, the putting a barrier on myself and realizing I can market anything. I can make my business so much better. I've just got to stop limiting my thinking. Yeah, that's awesome. Man, I could talk to you forever. Um, what, how can people learn? I'm sure your books are on Amazon because I've, I've seen them there. Um, how can people connect with you other than uh, getting your books? Um, yeah, well, the books are, are definitely on Amazon. Um, just find me on Facebook, Facebook and LinkedIn. I'm, uh, on Facebook, I'm Tyson E. Franklin. I'm very friendly and very sociable. Uh, LinkedIn, uh, exa- under the, exactly the same name. Um, I think on Twitter, which I don't really use too much. Uh, and Instagram, it's Tyson Franklin 66. That's the, they're the easiest ways to sort of track me down and sort of see what I'm doing. But um, I love connecting with people on Facebook who have got a, a really positive mindset and yeah, see, see themselves doing something special in the, in the future, whatever, whatever it happens to be. Well, that's awesome. Hey, Tyson, thanks for coming on the program. It's long overdue. No, no, this has been great. And I've been, I've been looking forward to this and I definitely want to get you on my podcast as well. All right, we'll make that happen. Hey, folks, thanks for, the, uh, thanks for attending on my tongue tied. This is my last interview of the day, you can tell. Thanks for joining us for this very special interview with Dr. Tyson E. Franklin. Remember, hey, connect with me over at uh, my Facebook group, which is Build Your Dream Business Now. It's free. There's over 400 small business owners in there now. I do free training every Thursday. Build Your Dream Business Now. The handy-dandy link is dreambizgroup.com, dream, B-I-Z group. That is it. Until next week, another great episode of Dream Business Radio. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach, and you take good care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free Dream Business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.